Branch. Austin Jackson back looks up. You can put it on the board. Yeah. Tame center for Kane. He's gone. Oh, Patrick Kane set up by Jonathan Tame. The dynamic duo comes through in overtime. Hawk wins. Looking. Finds Rose. Rose trying to get open. Fires away. and welcome to a new episode of the Cloudgate Sports Podcast. Uh, it's been a while, but we're back. We're ready to go. Uh, took a little break because of baseball into the season. We had finals. We're back stronger than ever. We're going to be coming out with episodes every Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. So for all my early risers, the episodes will be ready for you. But, I mean, let's not take too much time away. Let's get right into the news. Pat, go ahead and take it away with the Blackhawks. So the Blackhawks season has come and go. We were fighting for that fourth playoff spot, and it just didn't end up working out. I kind of figured it after we hit that rough patch in the season in the way that Nashville really started to play. Nashville got got hot at the right time. Uh, we're able to push that for that four seed, and they locked it up. So the Hawks did finish their season 24-25-7. They did fall, spot, fall short to that last playoff spot to Nashville. Nashville ended up getting, did end up getting defeated in the first round of the NHL playoffs on six games to Carolina, which was an electric series to watch. At this point in the podcast, we're not really going to dive into too much of – I know the, there's some uh, – uh, the juniors is getting played right now. There's a couple Hawks players playing in that right now. Um, and I know there was a couple signings. There's a lot of things are still unsure. I think we're going to really touch on that once the season wraps up and we're going to start looking at the expansion draft because the looks of this new Seattle Kraken team is from one of the projective like lineups I've seen, they're going to be deadly and it's going to be scary. I feel like it's going to be a repeat of the Vegas Golden Knights situation from a couple years back. <clears throat> And to kind of just leave you on a cliffhanger, um, according to our general manager, they can't guarantee that John Day is going to be protected going into that, into that uh, expansion draft. So who knows what that's going to look like. Um, that I, That's the first time hearing that. That's not good. Yeah, I saw a tweet for it a couple weeks ago. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to see where you go from, you know, he not a single word said about him all season to it looks like he's progressing pretty well. He should be ready to go for next season to we can't guarantee that he'll be uh, protected. Uh, nobody knows. I wouldn't be surprised if Kevin Lankinen is, is not protected. I think our probably our top guy that's not going to be protected is going to be Calvin Hahn. It's going to be a tough loss, um, which will be a huge asset for them. Like if, just from the projected lineups I've seen, they are going to have a very good team if the cards play out, which they usually should because it's the most fair way to do an expansion draft when you're adding a new team. It just so happens that the teams are really stacked to start off. And, I mean, you can look at Vegas and where they've started and where they've, they still are. Have they won a cup? No. But they're still a damn good team. So let's kind of touch on the playoffs a little bit. As I've said it before, and I'll say it again, the NHL playoffs are the hardest playoffs to win. It's the hardest trophy to win. And it's the most electric to watch. 
It's insane. It's crazy. It's been so and good. What, and what's and it worked out best? I, I I'm not too big of a fan of these these new conferences we had for this COVID season, but I got to start with this Toronto series last night. Game seven, Montreal versus Toronto. What we couldn't ask for a pitcher perfect first round matchup for two teams that absolutely hate each other. And Montreal, they persevered. Again, I'm not a Toronto fan. It's the four guys in that team with a ten million dollar contract. They're supposed to be godsend. They're supposed to be the dream team. They're supposed to be the you know the the, the next um, like Miami Heat type team, the Superman team, or Frankenstein team. They're just not it yet. I don't know what that missing piece is for them. I'm not sure if it's management or what it is, but they're not there. And I took my caps off to the to the the Canadians for pulling through that series. It was fun as hell to watch. They're going to have a tough matchup against Winnipeg, who's been off for a week and a half, two weeks, after they swept Edmonton, which I don't think anybody would expect them to sweep Edmonton. If I'm Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, Edmonton's not looking like the best spot for me anymore right now. So, Montreal move on and play Winnipeg in round two. I think my favorite series right now is this Boston versus Islanders series. It, it literally from I, I mean I fucking hate Boston. I hate Boston. Like Boston is my number one team. I hate and St. Louis is number two. Um, so seeing them lose last night, um, if you guys follow Barcelona, you're keeping up with the Borelli, the Borellis as well as um all the the fights and Hank and all those guys that are uh, Bruins fans. What do we can't get any better than that? Um, the series is absolutely stacked, and I think the Islanders could give them a run for their money. Listen, I'm going to say it's not. I hate the team. I hate Boston. They're a good team. They're very, very good. Their power play, their top lines are scary right now, and they're clicking. But if there's anyone that could do it, I think it could be the Islanders. Next up, Tampa. They're currently they actually just scored. I'm not even joking. They scored on my second monitor. They're up 2-0 on uh, Carolina in the third period. Looks as if right now they're going to go up 2 0 against Carolina in the series. That team is scary good. Um, I'm blanking on their goaltender right now. If somebody can help me out, I'd appreciate it. I'm blanking hard, though. Their goaltender is cracked out of his mind. It's going to hit Vasilevsky. It's Vasilevsky. The dude's playing on top of his head. Hands down, the best goalie in the league right now. And there's a reason why when they asked Patrick Kane, you know, who, if you were to draft your team, nobody from your team, who you draft in. First pick was uh, Vasilevsky down in Tampa. The dude's just that good. And it, does, it also helps their, their Stamkos, um, Kucherov, all those guys have a huge firepower on their offensive side of the boards. Lastly, this is the team I think is going to win it all. I don't see anybody beating this team. It's fucking Colorado. That Colorado team is scary good. It's not even funny how, like, Nathan McKinnon, I think I heard it best. I think it was part of my take this morning I listened to on the train. It's like when you take your your cure guy and you boost all the sliders and you drop difficulty to rookie. That's what it looks like when McKinnon's on the ice. It's not even fair. He's on a different level. The interesting part of this entire NHL playoffs is that when they get to the final four, they're going to reseed the top one through four. If it plays out like I kind of expected to, I would assume Colorado's going to be the number one seed. And sadly... Not necessarily sadly, I guess, because it'll be a hell of a matchup. Um, Tampa's probably going to be two. And then you'll probably have the winner of the Canadian series match up against the um, the uh, the Boston and Islanders series. So what I'd love to see, I think it's possible. Is it possible? Yeah, it is possible to see a, a Stanley Cup between Colorado and Tampa, which I think can happen. And that's one thing I want to see is that Colorado team play a goaltender that's that good like Vasilevsky. 
it sucks the Hawks aren't in it, especially if Chief said it best last night in a tweet watching that Game 7. Like, I would kill to be in a Game 7 situation where I feel like I could literally puke at any minute. It's just an electric feeling, and I wish the Hawks were in it, but they're far from it. Um, so who knows what they're going to look like next year. But at the end of the day, you got to sit back and enjoy this hockey right now because fans are starting to get back in the stadiums. It's starting to seem like normal again, and playoff hockey is on a different level. What do you guys got? Yeah, dude. I mean – Quite a disappointing end to the season for the Blackhawks. Uh, But we knew from the beginning that it was going to be a longer season and a struggle. But there were a lot of bright spots and a lot of things that we can look forward to leading into next year. Uh, But with the news of the expansion drafts and all that stuff, losing guys are going to hurt. And it's going to hurt very bad for our team uh, going into next season. Still quite a few question marks, uh, but... It's going to hurt to lose some of those big key guys. Like you said, DeHaan would hurt. Lankinen would be a very tough loss, uh, especially after the very solid season that he had. And if we lose Jonathan Taze, I, I don't know. I don't know if I could really trust Bowman anymore. I don't know because you'd have to protect Jonathan Taze, right? If he, if he plans on coming back next year, you have to protect him, right? You don't know. I mean, I think, yes, you do, just based off his legacy, but you don't know. Again, we're, we're outsiders looking in. Bowman knows, like, what he's been going through and what his injury is looking like. You know, Bowman might be looking like he'll never even he, – he can come back and play, but he'll never be anywhere near that way he was. Then you start to look at it like, can I, can I you know, can I protect a guy that's going to be a, a long-term asset and where Taze might not be? I'm just – I'm we cur- also don't have to carry that contract too if he does get picked. I'm, just, I'm not supporting. That's true. I'm saying, I can that, see the where contract's might true. Be coming from saying that stuff. Yeah, I'm. I'm also kind of curious why, if they tell us that he's coming back next year, why we can't know what's been wrong the past year. I, I don't know. I feel like we could get a little bit of information, but uh, we'll see. I, I doubt we will at this point. But kind of curious to see what's been going on, but. Playoff hockey's been absolutely electric. Some awesome overtime games uh, the, this past round. Uh, but Boston versus New York, no matter what sport you're playing, is always going to be electric. And especially in the playoffs, I mean, there's nothing better. So it's going to be interesting to watch. Uh, Colorado is stacked, and I also I don't see anybody beating them. But I would love... I would absolutely love to see the Golden Knights finally win a Stanley Cup. So let's see how they do for the rest of the playoffs. But, yeah, that's all I got for hockey. When it comes to the Blackhawks, boys, you know where I'm sitting. I haven't moved this whole season. I've been on that beach drinking my umbrella drink, watching you guys panic and stepping inside that room. And I'm here and now enjoying the best playoffs and championship in sports um it's absolutely electric last night i was i, I worked all day out of, out of baseball tournaments i come home to god bless us with this unbelievable game with the bruins and the islanders and then barstool sports blessed us on top of it to kind of if, if you guys if our listeners have not heard or seen about um the kind of boston islanders rivalry between boss uh in barstool um you guys need to follow follow it next game they stream it and they have all the guys there and it is insane. People on the edge of their seat on the edge of their seats. They look like when they kill each other, they're yelling, they're screaming, they're going crazy. Um, it's an absolute electric stream to have up while you're watching the game. It's just more entertainment and I just absolutely loved it. Um, and you know what? I think we make great points about all these teams. 
Um, what concerns about me, if there's a Canadian team that kind of comes out and has to play against a team that's in the United States, I think they're absolutely fucked. There's no fans of these games. And when you looked at the Garden last night, that place was unbelievably loud. And then you go look at these Canadian games, it's it's, it's a two different worlds, and I think that it's a huge United States teams as we stand right now. I can't wait to see what kind of happens, because I think there's a lot of different teams that can beat a lot of other teams. I think we've kind of already seen t- teams are kind of underdogs already win. So I think there's still a lot more to kind of play out here, and it's going to be it's going to be a great ride. Yeah, to kind of piggyback off that point regarding uh, the fans, <clears throat> from what I've seen, like so, the, if regardless, the Canadian team is going to make the final four. When they reseed, they're actually looking at hub cities for one of these two remaining, um, because the travel restrictions between the U.S. and Canada still aren't. Um, seamless. So looking to have a team, and I think I heard on a podcast or I read in an article that Phoenix might be one of the main hub cities that would allow, you know, the Canadians there to win the series if they had had to go play in Phoenix and have, uh, you know, a bunch of fans in their stadium that, you know, they're not diehard Canadians fans, but they're fans and that's a way to generate some sort of revenue for the team. So that's something to look at going to that final four, but you're right. I mean, imagine, imagine a packed house for game seven between Toronto and Montreal. I could only imagine what that game, I could, I would go and I don't even give two shits about either of the teams. I don't like, it would have been an electric feeling. I can only imagine what it would have been like, but hopefully, like I said, um, like the Boston and Islander series has been electric to watch with the fans back in the stadium. We're going to get into it a little bit when it comes to the NBA and looking at that square garden. I want to close it out with one thing for the Blackhawks is Seth Jones, defenseman for the Columbus Blue Jackets, is apparently expressed to the team that he doesn't want to come back anymore. So we're looking at potential trade ideas, and the Blackhawks have seemed to have risen towards the top of that team, the top top of the contenders, to make possibly make a trade for Seth Jones. So Seth Jones was supposed to be drafted number two overall in the 2013 draft. Um, McKinnon obviously going first to Colorado. But Florida and Tampa both skipped over him, um, and he fell to Nashville. And Nashville, I mean, Ryan, or, uh, yeah, Shea Weber, uh, P.K. Subban, like, they, they breed defensemen down there. And they had traded Seth Jones to Columbus in exchange for Ryan, Ryan Johansson, which was they, they desperately needed a center at that time. So the Hawks are obviously a horrible defensive team. Um, that's what their biggest weak point. Now they are very young in that department. So they have a lot of growing pains, but Seth Jones, if he were to they were to make that trade for Seth Jones and he was actually willing to sign a contract and stay long term for the Hawks for a decent price, I think the trade might be worth it. Um, so I've seen a couple mock trades out here for try, potentially trying to um, acquire him. So one of them is the Hawks will get Seth Jones. The Blue Jackets get a first round pick for 2021, a second round pick and Adam Boquist. I don't know how I feel about that. Boquist, I love him to death. He just doesn't have the, the brains to the play yet. He hasn't developed an hockey IQ. Um, second tra- or potential trade trade package would be a 21st, 2021 first-rounder, Nicholas Bodan and Ian Mitchell. I don't like that. I don't. Ian Mitchell is probably one of the young defensemen I don't want to get rid of. Agreed. And then last up would be uh, a first-round – no shot in how this happens. A 2021 first-round pick, Zadaroff, Calvin DeHaan, which he won't even be on the team anymore. He's going to get um, snatched up. So if, that's gonna, if they're going to do that, they need to do it before the uh, trade that, or the expansion draft. So Zadaroff, a first-rounder, DeHaan, and Dillon Strom. I can't see the Hawks doing that at all. 
So if anything, it might be that first uh, that first mock trade I gave up to you um, with Boquist, a first and a second rounder. Again, he's a very smart defensive-minded defenseman. It's something we need desperately, and it will tighten things up a lot. If you have him, you have probably not Calvin Nahan, you have Ian Mitchell, you have Adam Boquist, you still have Keith for another year or two. Um, would definitely help out the back end. Are the Hawks going to give up that capital? I'm not really so sure at this point. I do know that this year's draft is not that impressive. The following year's draft is a lot more impressive with some of the young guys coming up through this pipeline. So that's kind of what I got from the Hawks. You guys only got last last touches on uh, this trade package. All righty. The Chicago Bulls. The Chicago Bulls. UC just can't house a winning team lately. It's kind of just what it seems. The Bulls fall short of making the NBA playoffs. They fall short of making that play-in tournament, which that's another rant for another day. Um, they finished season 31 and 41. They finished 11th in the East. If they would have finished 10th, they would have got the last spot in the play-in uh, tournament, which Charlotte ended up getting, and they ended up losing in the play-in tournament anyways. From what I said, or from what I've seen, Vucevic seems locked in to stay with the Bulls for a while. Zach Levine's calling this place home. Lori Marketing apparently wants to go play for um, Dallas. Let him go do it. I don't care anymore. Yeah, same. I'm, I don't think I'm he realizes Luca and like Porzingis don't get along at all. But it is what it is. Um, I don't think he would. That just wouldn't fit in well. Like you wouldn't have two carbon copy guys playing power forward for you. It just wouldn't work out. Mm-hmm. Um, let him go do it. I don't care. Now I don't. They haven't done the draft lottery yet because it's not going to happen until after the playoffs are over. I think the now remember that Vucevic trade is we did trade our first rounder for this coming up, and it's protected one through four. I think you never the, know, never know. You're right, because we'll look at the Derrick Rose draft. You never know. I'm pretty sure we have like a 3.75 percent chance of falling in that one through four range. I, I, I could be way off, but I know it's a very slim margin. But it's possible. Like, yes, look at that Derrick Rose draft. We weren't supposed to get a number one pick in that. Playoffs, though. I, listen, I'm not a huge basketball fan, especially when the Bulls aren't good. But there has been one main reason why I've been watching the playoffs. It started off with one main reason, and it kind of developed into two. And it's the New York Knicks. Seeing Derrick Rose back in his element, seeing he doesn't like the word vintage. He's like... He's, that's the, that's he's not vintage. It's still Derrick Rose. Seeing him and Taj with Tibbs man in the helm, like it brings back so many memories. And 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 um, Madison Garden is rocking. Like that's a huge. Granted, they're down three one in the series to Atlanta, but that's a huge like power swing for them when they go to the Mecca and they're rocking. And it just brought back a lot of memories seeing that Bulls team and what they could have possibly been, but they'll never we'll never know. Um, so that's been a hell of a series. And then my other favorite series really has been the Lakers and Suns. I kind of wrote the Suns off going into the series. I'm like, there's no shot they're going to beat the Lakers. I don't give a care. I don't care at all that the Lakers were the seventh seed in the West. They still have LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Devin Booker, Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton, they're backing it up. And AD seems to be hurt. I think they that game, game five plays tonight. I'm not sure if. They've said if AD's playing or not, though. But if he's not, I mean, I think I'd take Aiden over Drummond just because Drummond's kind of old and pushed over. Yep, agreed. Again, the NBA playoffs have been pretty damn good so far. Um, There's going to be a lot of good matchups coming up. What do you guys got in the playoffs? 
See, my thing with the NBA playoffs is I, I have watched every single Knicks game because of the very reason that you have talked about, Pat, uh, with Derrick Rose, Tibbs, Taj Gibson, getting to relive those glory days a little bit with the Bulls when we were a little younger. But besides that, I haven't really been watching as much. Uh, but just watching the Knicks and the electric atmosphere in New York with them finally having a playoff team, uh, it's just been awesome to see. Also, seeing the Nets uh, take down the Boston Celtics and seeing Kyrie kind of uh, let the people know how he felt about Boston by dragging his shoes against the uh, Boston logo logo in the center of the court. There's nothing better in uh, playoff basketball than a little bit of hate, and uh, we've seen that for sure during these playoffs. And just I'm excited to keep watching uh, the Knicks especially. Hopefully they keep it going and we get to see D. Rose, Tibbs, and uh, Taj really continue uh, their season, and you never know what can happen. I think my only comment for right now for the NBA is just how funny the Knicks fans are. Uh, they lost that first game in the Garden. They're like, "Well, you know what? Who cares? We're here. We're living life. We're enjoying. It. We're we're enjoying. It. We're watching our team play in the playoffs." So I kind of I kind of like that mentality, even though um, it's it's something that a lot of people um, they're like oh, don't don't be happy your team's just there. You want them to win. Well, you know what? The Knicks have been going through it a lot. Um, I think Bulls fans can kind of relate to that as well. Um, so uh, for, for a while. So with that being said, you know, I, I think I'll start to kind of start to dial in and kind of focus in on the NBA when it starts to kind of shape up and, uh, we'll see what kind of happens when it goes there. Yeah. And I think a, a miscellaneous fact we can kind of close out in the NBA on is that, uh, what, what are fans doing? Like, it's kind of absurd what's kind of happened this it past is. couple of weeks. It I mean, is. You got. You got some dude trying to spit on Trey Young, who's got banned from the Mecca. You got people chirping and going after Ja Morant's mom in the stadium. You got the guy dropping popcorn on Russell Westbrook's head. You got the guy that threw a water bottle at Kyrie Irving, who's now being charged with assault with a deadly weapon. Is he really? Yes. Oh, I'm not even joking about it either. You got some dude who, some Wahoo just ran on the court for the Wizards and 76ers game last night. I mean... And there's a lot of people saying, oh, it's like, you know, we've been cooped up and because of COVID, like, no. No, no that's a no, terrible no, excuse. No, you don't do that. If you, like, again, if you want to go boo, you want to yell stuff at him, you want to get a sign, knock yourself out. But you don't go drop it. Like, the dude who dropped popcorn, he was a season ticket holder. And now he's banned from the 76ers arena. Wow. Like, think clearly. Like, I'm, yeah, I'm happy these guys are. It's absolutely absurd. The guy getting charged with assault, good. That's what you get. That's what you get. You gotta set an example because this is just absolutely absurd. Mm-hmm. And yeah, did did Kyrie go and and drag a shoe across the 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 logo? Yeah, he did. Yell at him as he's going by. Yeah, exactly. Don't throw something at him. I mean, it's it's absurd. It's and people are trying to defend these guys online. Like, no, absolutely not. You guys are a bunch of losers. You guys don't deserve to be going to sporting events. There'd be a, a fuck ton more people that would would much rather love to be in these arenas right now and supporting their teams, and they're not because you're doing it and then these guys are potentially ruining it for other people so it's it's absurd it's kind of that's kind of the one pitfall of the nba as far as what's been going on but i mean i'm stoked for the way the semis are going to play out i mean it's shaping out to be 
the Sixers in Atlanta in round two. Milwaukee's probably going to play Brooklyn in round two. That's going to be a fun matchup. Uh, who knows where this uh, – it, it will be the winner of the Lakers and the Suns versus the winner of Denver and Portland. Both series tied 2-2. Utah's probably going to wrap things up with Memphis, and they'll move on to the second round. And then Dallas took the first two against the Clippers, and the Clippers took the next two after that. I mean, it's – you have – 3 one 3 one 3 one 3 one 2 or 3-2-2s. Two I mean, you go to Canasta for a better matchup to start things off. And it's going to be a lot of fun. And my number one team, if, if the Knicks can't make it, which I get it, I want to see the Suns do some stuff. Chris Paul, I think, deserves a shot at a title. Devin Booker is a lot of fun to watch. And I just don't like to see the Lakers win. And I'm all for it. But it should be a lot of fun. You guys got anything else? Yeah, I do I do have one more thing. I want to talk about, because in the playoffs, we are definitely seeing how lopsided the Eastern Conference is with the Bucks sweeping the Heat in four games, and every single other series is at 3-1 right now. You're, you're kind of seeing these, there's, what, the four top teams, and then everybody else is kind of, oh, well, I guess the Knicks and the Hawks are the only other flip but the one through three seeds just ran through this first round for uh the eastern conference i know things aren't over yet and it's not wrapped up but i mean they're the bucks are already moved on and then the nets are up by 20 points right now against boston so that's basically wrapped up as well and pat you already said it the 76 are probably going to wrap things up with uh washington so the eastern conference next year let's work on being a little bit more competitive Yeah, good luck with that. I'm not too sure how much that's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Our, our Bulls will be in the mix next year, so don't worry. I, I hope so. They need to get rid of this playing tournament, and I'm all for it. Yeah. All good. All right. So now we're going to be moving on to the Bears. PT, we've got some exciting news with these quarterbacks dueling with each other. Uh, I know we all know who we wanted to be, but – what what has the front office said so far? So, PT, go ahead and take it away with our Bears. All right, boys. Well, it's been a while, let me tell you that. Um, it's been a roller coaster ride of emotions for sure for all of our us Bears fans. Um, at our last episode, I think we were all kind of on the edge of a cliff, ready to jump off if Ryan Pace kind of pulls the trigger on the wrong guy. Um, we had no clue. We were kind of going in blind. We kind of had no clue what the Bears were going to do. Um, if a quarterback was there, who were they going to take? Um, and then when we got really close to the draft, either a day or two out, we kind of saw these puzzle pieces kind of fall into place and these different paths to possibly getting Justin Fields. Um, and I kind of can remember uh, when that first trade came through with the Eagles, um, I thought the Bears trade up, and I, was, I got super excited. I was like, there's no way this is happening. And then when I saw that they, it wasn't the Bears, like it was, <laughs> I was pretty damn disappointed, let me tell you that. Um, and then when I saw the Bears come up again, I, I, I was ecstatic. I was jumping up and down. I was running around my room. I got my uh, roommate out of the shower. He was in the middle of the shower. He came out and watched. I called my dad. It was it was a great day to be a Bears a Bears fan all across the board. Um, I don't know how you guys felt, but it was it was something special because we've been the Bears kind of has found themselves in this place to be the the, the graveyard for quarterbacks, as you would say. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky, Jay Cutler kind of ended their careers there pretty poorly. So, um, unfortunately, uh, 
we hate to see Mitch move on. We, we were wishing the best for him, but now we, I think we have our franchise quarterback, boys. Um, we can kind of get into talks about uh, where we think it's going to happen with him. We've, we've heard remarks from the front office talking about um, Andy Dalton being the starting quarterback, and then now as time moves on after uh, rookie camp and um, these uh, off-season workout, voluntary work, uh, workouts, um, we're hearing more that Justin Fields has more of an opportunity to start. Um, Justin Fields is so motivated, and he wants to be the starting quarterback day one. We all know how we feel. We want Justin Fields to be that starting uh, quarterback for week one. Um, it, it's just such a good feeling, boys, and we're seeing it all across the board. We'll kind of get in that to a little bit as well. Um, but we'll just run through – I'll run through a couple of quick points of the draft. Um, Ryan Pace also improved the offensive line, which was much needed. Uh, we got out and we went and got Tevin Jenkins and Larry um, Borum, who are going to help our offensive line quite a bit. Um, so I'm very excited to see that as well. And then Pat's boy. Uh, a lot of people are saying that we got a steal on Thomas Graham, cornerback from Oregon. Um, yeah, we did. I think we did get a steal. Good, good. I'm, gl- I'm glad to hear that. Um, you can kind of talk about him here in a little bit, too. Pace said that he's going to play cornerback and nickel. A lot of people think he's going to play nickel more and be that guy that comes in. Um, so, overall, boys, how are we feeling about this draft? I'm, I'm feeling great about this draft, uh, P- uh, Pat and PT. I can't be more excited for this upcoming season, minus probably the first couple games that we are probably going to see Andy Dalton in as quarterback. I do think that that's almost a guarantee at this point. Uh, I I still think with uh, Ryan Pace and his thinking that Andy Dalton, we paid him to be the number one guy, and I think that that's going to be the case right now. I'm kind of more curious to see what we're going to do with Nick Foles uh, because – he would have to be the most expensive third-string quarterback uh, in a very, very long time, if not ever. Uh, I I honestly would probably think that would be the first time ever that a guy would be getting paid that much money to be a third-string quarterback. Uh, but nobody wants him, so we're probably going to have to end up cutting him or just eat up all that money and have him be our third-string quarterback just in case if shit hits the fan. But – our offensive line got some good additions. Uh, Jenkins just, I mean, he just looks like an absolute animal. I love the way that he's been talking in uh, interviews, uh, conferences. I, it's just a guy that you can tell that he's a good, solid guy off the field. He's going to work his ass off. But once he gets on the field, he's looking to tear somebody's head off. And he's looking to protect our quarterbacks and uh, – I'm just very excited for this upcoming season from that aspect. But we'll see what goes on in camp if uh, they do actually decide to have Dalton be our starting quarterback. But uh, like I said earlier, I think all of us are looking forward to seeing Justin Fields and what he can do with our team. The hype around him is very real, more real than the hype that we had with Trubisky. So uh, I'm excited to see what's going to happen. Pat, what you got? Yeah, I mean, this is going to be one of those things in life where, like, where were you when the Bears traded up to get Justin Fields? Um, I'm never going to forget. I was in my buddy's apartment. We were all sitting around the TV. I specifically remember that it was the Cowboys and the Giants were the next two picks. And we're already talking about who they're going to pick. Like, we, I couldn't even – I wasn't even expecting any sort of a, a trade up at this point. Um, 
and then I see hear the noise come across the screen. And I say a trade has been made, and I see the bear's orange go across the bottom, and the entire apartment just erupted. Um, it was it was a surreal moment. Um, I was very hit or miss between if I wanted Justin Fields or Mac Jones, and I think we made the right move. Um, I think Mac Jones is going to fit better in uh, New England. A great pick. I'm excited for him to to take be wearing a Bears jersey. Do I think he's going to start Week One? Absolutely not. I don't think he is. I I don't know. Unless if if Dalton's if Dalton's rolling and he's staying and rolling, you have to throw that in air quotes. Um, and if he's healthy, I don't know. I I don't I maybe Fields isn't going to start for a while. Um, I'm not too sure about when he'll get the nod, but I don't think it's going to be for quite some time unless. Dalton gets hurt, or he's just doing playing absolutely horribly. Uh, Tevin Jenkins, I love to pick up a lot. He seems like he's going to fit well with the the culture here in Chicago, as you said, with the way his his, his media circuit's gone. It seems like he's a perfect fit for the city, perfect fit for the culture. And I was ecstatic to see us pick up Thomas Graham Jr. out of Oregon. He didn't play the 2020 season; he sat out, and I think that's kind of why he he slipped to like what the sixth round. I'm pretty sure. Um, he was a pretty big asset for Oregon. Uh, Grand Oregon hasn't really been playing that well in general in the Pac-12 in recent years. Um, so like I said, he didn't play, uh, in he didn't play or yeah, he sat out the 2020 season. I've seen a lot of comparisons to a lot of different people, but I feel like the most consistent one is Marcus Peters, the seat the corner from, uh, the Ravens. And I know for his time in Oregon, he had eight interceptions, one pick six, 143 solo tackles, 183 total, forced fumble, a sack, and 10 and a half tackles for a loss. I think this biggest question mark is um, his his tackling in the open field, whether that's against a run game or if he's playing like a, a pretty a hefty cushion defense. In terms of his technique and his timing, a lot of scouts were foaming at the mouth when it came to the way he was able to kind of read the ball. And a lot of things going to transfer over to the NFL pretty well. So we lost Kyle Fuller. So where does that kind of throw him into the equation? A lot of people were expecting Jalen Johnson to take that next step forward and take the role of Kyle Fuller. And we're going to look at Graham to take the role of Jalen Johnson. Now, fun fact, Jalen Johnson and Thomas Graham are from the same area of high school back home. They actually played, uh, High school football against each other and compete in the high school fan like high school camps um, when they are in high school as they are prepping for their college careers. So they already have a lot of chemistry on the field. And I know Jalen Johnson. I wasn't the biggest fan of him. He was good. I just wasn't a big fan of him. A lot of because he's wearing thirty three. Um, I think he's going to Jalen learned a lot. He played well in that first year. I think Graham having him as a mentor is going to be a pretty awesome um, thing to set him up as well. You have Eddie Jackson in that secondary too. And I think the most important thing is I feel like our DBs get scrutinized a lot. From what I've seen from rookie training camps and, o- camps and OTAs, uh, Thomas Graham's pretty pretty media-friendly. He says he loves talking to the media. He embraces it a lot. And you know how shitty Chicago media is. Let's try not to ruin it. If you like talking to the media, be nice to him and let him enjoy the media and let him make a good name for himself and let him make a good name for the team. I said I think it was a steal of a pick. I'm excited to see this guy wear a Bears jersey in the fall. For sure. I mean, I, I think that this draft um, was not only a pleasant surprise, it, it blew our expectations out of the water, boys. Um, with that being said, uh, let's throw our, gra- our draft grades out here uh, real quick. Just go through 
you know, just A through F. Um, you could add your plus or minuses. Go ahead, boys. Uh, I for me, this draft is way too much of a surprise of of a good surprise not to give it a solid A. Uh, it's just everything that could have went well for us did. I know maybe in a couple years we'll be like, this guy didn't work out, this guy didn't work out. But as of now, right now, the way that we improved this team leading into next season and our future, I'd have to give it an A. And I'd have to give it an A for Ryan Pace especially because he really did things correctly this draft. And he really definitely, as of now, did not shit the bed. Yeah, I didn't think I'd be giving him like a B-plus draft grade going into this, but he did a damn good job. And do I even want to say this? Yeah, fuck, I'll say it. I think he earned himself an extension uh, based off his draft. Now, Matt Nagy has not. I think Nagy's going to really have to show up and develop these guys like he's supposed to. I mean, listen. Nagy drafted Mahomes in Kansas City. Nagy did not draft Mitch Trubisky. He came, that was a John Fox product. He apparently, he didn't even really like working with Mitch. Man, Nagy, this is the guy you wanted, and you told Ryan Pace, go trade up and get him. You better back it up. This kid better play well, and he better develop well. Now, this is also a message to all the Bears fans out there. Relax. He's a rookie. He's not going to do anything great first year. Now, when we look, again, in our Mitch situation, We'll get three years' time. If Fields is doing well, good for you. If he's a bust, man, you won't be here more than another year. So, like I said, I like the draft a lot. I think we did a lot of good things. Do I think it was a hefty trade-up? It was. But it's going to pay off in the end. We're going to have to wait and see. Ryan Pace did a hell of a job. Again, he's he's known finding those defensive gems late in rounds. Just gems in general and late in rounds. I'm excited to see what he can do and what some of these older guys can do. Um, yeah, so I think Pace definitely earned himself an extension. Matt Nagy, he's got some room to, to kind of prove that and see if he's worth it. So what we'll, we'll grade, did you give him a grade? Oh, yeah, B plus. B plus, B plus. All right, so we got an A and a B plus. I think you bring up a great point, too, when we look at um, what we gave up to trade up as well. Yes, it was happy. Um but we got to go back and think to to what we were willing to give up for um, a Deshaun Watson or a Russell Wilson. Um, so I think what we have to look at that is uh, there's a price to pay to have a franchise quarterback nowadays. Um, and with that being said, we, we we paid our dues, and I hope it I hope it works out. Um, I couldn't be more static and being feel, uh, and I'm in a much better mind space as a Bears fan today as I was before the draft. Um, and with that being said, I, with looking at all the websites across the world grading. Um, all teams, Bears were um, in the top. We're at the top. We're not only in the top two, um, almost throughout the whole entire board. Uh, with that being said, I got to give an A plus because I was at the point where I was thinking this thing's going to be a trash fire next year. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna fuck up and get the wrong. We're gonna pick the wrong guy here. Um, so with that, I mean, I can't believe we got Justin Fields. I'm so ecstatic and I couldn't be more happy. Um, so with that being said, I give them an A plus. Ryan Pace, I think. You know he's done great things so far. So with uh, there's been there's been some um, some things in question. Obviously, um, Mitch was an Mitch was an issue, uh, but there's also been great things too that kind of have been hitting gems. Uh, so I think that he, I think you're right. I, he probably does deserve 
extension, and we'll see what Nagy can do um, with Fields. With that being said, I think that kind of concludes our draft. We give the Bears, I think, comes out to an A if we if we average it out. Um, so good job to the front office and the Chicago Bears on this draft this year. I think we definitely made our team a lot better. Um, it's going to be very exciting to see these young players grow. With that being said, I have let's go. Let's let's talk about the Justin Fields effect now that we are done with the draft. It was reported that not only it was almost or full attendance. Uh, so off-season workouts um, for the first week, which was May 25th through 27th, which you love to see, boys, um, especially with kind of all the stuff looming around. Was Nagy losing the locker room with A-Rob? Um, and now that we see almost everybody show up, that's I'm going to call that the Justin Field effect right there. Everybody kind of believes in this kid already. I couldn't be more ecstatic about that. So cool. Um, but what we're seeing now north of us <laughs> uh, at off-season um, – Workouts is not very good. No, not good at all. Has not showed up. Has not showed up, and I couldn't be more excited. I think this also helps our draft as well. Hearing this on draft night, Aaron Rodgers is not happy in Green Bay, Um, and there's been a lot of things thrown around. Um, I, you never can really trust what's being kind of put on the media nowadays. um, What's being put out and what's actually happening inside. Um, I guess we can only find out when it's week one well, who's going to be right out there for the Green Bay Packers. But for now, it doesn't look good for them. Um, and I couldn't be more happy being a Bears fan because Aaron Rodgers has ruined our lives for a long time. Um, with that being said, boys, what do you kind of think on the Aaron Rodgers situation and the Justin Fields effect? Well, PT, with both of us going to college in Wisconsin, we have felt the wrath of these Packers fans and talking to them, uh, especially these last couple weeks and the last month, since the news really broke out about Aaron Rodgers, they themselves are not very confident that he will be coming back. And uh, I, I would love to agree with them. But just as a Bears fan, I'm just ready for Aaron Rodgers to be staying up north and uh, definitely uh, still doing what he does. If he can leave Green Bay, go to another team, that'd be fantastic. Uh, get him out of our division and just as far away as us as possible. But if Aaron Rodgers does leave, that's going to open up the division so much. And uh, who knows with Matt Stafford leaving, uh, Justin Fields could possibly slide in as uh, one of the best quarterbacks in the North. You never know what can happen, but uh, we'll see. Uh, keep hoping that Aaron Rodgers does get traded eventually. But until then, I'm ready for him to be up in the north uh, for next season. Yeah, I think it's a good thing to talk about. I don't think he's going to get traded. Uh, I mean, if you're the Packers front office, why are you going to trade him? Like, it's just, yeah, I understand that he wants out. I get that. But I don't know. At the end of the day, he's come out and said he likes he him and Matt Lafleur don't hate each other. He loves the locker room. He loves the fans. He loves the city. It comes down to the general manager. He's that's what he said. And at the end of the day, if you hated the head coach, you hated the the you hated the fans. You didn't like your teammates. You know, then sure you might want to trade them because there's a lot of dominoes falling in that area. You don't have to, if you just hate the GM, dude. I think a lot of people would say get over it, put a helmet on, and go play. Obviously, Rand said, I'm going to expect that he's going to be wearing a Packers jersey and starting week one for the Packers in the fall. Yep. I There's only really one team that can take him on, and that's Denver. 
so we'll have to see. Um, and now it's Trouble in Paradise. Yeah, it is. Um, it, it was going to be a lot of fun to see how it plays out. But at this point, like, I'm not even thinking about it. Stoke, see what the Bears are. This Justin Fields effect. Like, people are sort of Bears fans and Bears players are trying to buy into the what they have cooking up right now. I'm locked in on that. Am I going to bother thinking about Aaron Rodgers and that whole clusterfuck is going on up in Green Bay? Yeah, um, I think I'm just thankful that we're not having to deal with that right now. Um, I think there's so many angles that have to be kind of looked at at that as well. Um, but I think a good example kind of to see or kind of foresee what this situation could possibly plan out with is kind of the Brady-Belichick, uh, New England Patriots kind of uh, situation. Brady was Brady wanted out, um, and they, they were kind of talking about this on Barstool the other day is how um, Belichick – wanted to trade Brady before they the traded Garoppolo because he wanted Garoppolo in the system. They wanted the younger quarterback. Um, and that possibly could be what happened in Green Bay or they decide to do that up in Green Bay. Um, but also you got to look at the angle who can take on Rodgers as well. There's a lot of stuff going on. I think, Pat, you said it the best. We, can, uh, we don't have to worry about it right now. Let's focus on our team. Let's focus on our potential um, and let them kind of melt away and kind of crumble up there. So I couldn't be more happy about that. Um, I think the last thing, I have a quick little <laughs> pick, boys, um, before we end our Bears talk. Um, Eddie Jackson um, changed his number to number four um, from 39, um, and that completely fucks me. And I know quite a bit of people that have his jersey um, that are going to look like dumbasses walking into the stadium next year uh, when they're walking the stadium with 39. And it's just, yeah, I think, kind of funny. And it also kind of brings up a good point, too, is it's just so tough now to buy jerseys, whether people are going to be traded when you don't know, um, or all this different stuff of now changing numbers. So uh, as much as I hope this kind of brings this new uh, Eddie Jackson swagger up, it kind, of, it kind of makes me sad a little bit to see that my jersey will kind of not be accurate anymore. So if I, I don't have anything more for the Bears, boys. If you guys do, let's bring it on. Or if not, let's move on to some baseball moving to season sports yeah dude it is uh it's an exciting time to be watching chicago baseball uh i cannot be more excited for these upcoming couple months uh but both teams are in first place and uh i know for us white Sox, uh we were expecting this and uh really hoping that this would be the case and it's been it's been a tough season so far with all the injuries and everything we got a bunch of updates to give you guys uh tonight uh and the cubs i mean if you would have told me that they'd be at first place over a month into the season i I honestly wouldn't believe you and if you look at the numbers on their teams it still is kind of shocking that they're in first place but we're going to get into why uh the very specific reason why they are in first place after a very rough april and now having a very strong uh 13 and 7 may which uh, really propelled them in the first place. We're going to start with the Chicago White Sox. Before we get into any of the uh, players and all that, I want to give injury updates because Robert and Eloy had some injury updates today uh, from Rick Hahn. Uh, Robert, not as promising as Eloy, but Robert has started the strength portion of his rehab. Uh, just building up strength in those legs, uh, getting ready to come back. And uh, we'll see. They said they're going to retouch on Robert in a month. Eloy, however, 
very promising news. Uh, for about a week now, Eloy has been uh, hitting, he's been fielding, he's been doing all that good stuff, getting ready to play. Uh, with these professional players, however, we do have to uh, expect a rehab uh, assignment, whether that's in AAA or AA. Uh, usually depends on the severity of the injury. I think we're going to see Eloy start out in AA, get probably a week's worth of games there, move up to AAA, get another week's games there, and then finally make his way up. They said Eloy's still about a month out from his rehab assignments, uh, so we're probably seeing, if I were to guess, a second or third week in July of seeing uh, Eloy possibly return to the lineup. But if you guys want daily updates of uh, these injuries with Eloy and what he's doing, Follow Jimmy Cordero on Instagram because he has Eloy on his story every single day. And that's actually how news broke out about a week ago that Eloy has started to hit again. Uh, and it was very exciting. The buzz on Twitter when that came out was awesome. I know people are talking about how what if we had Robert and Eloy and, and even Angle in the lineup for the White Sox right now. We could possibly be a 40-win team. Then again, if these injuries don't happen, we don't have Billy Hamilton catching fire right now. Your mean Mercedes probably never even happens if Eloy breaks camp. Uh, so just some interesting thoughts there. Uh, and now Adam Engel, another injury update to one of our key outfielders. Uh, kind of reading this right now, it's kind of crazy how Engel, Robert, and Eloy are out. All three who would probably be starting in our outfield have been out for basically the whole season, and yet we're sitting in first place. Really gives you a lot of hope for the future of this team, especially later on in the season. Uh, but Adam Engel has started his rehab stint in Charlotte, playing very well, actually. Uh, he's just hitting in uh, AAA right now. Uh, he started playing, I want to say, last Monday, and no, last Tuesday in Charlotte. The AAA uh, schedule this year is very interesting. They have every Monday off, and they play every day, Tuesday through Sunday, against the same team. Tuesday through Sunday against the same team. That way, they don't have to travel uh, from uh, place to place. Players are ready to uh, go to the MLB and don't have to go through any like big COVID protocols because they know where they are at all times. They're all uh, isolated for a week in the same place. Uh, and in my opinion, I would hate if that would happen in the MLB. But for minor leagues, I think that's a great thing that they did this year uh, to kind of limit the COVID interactions throughout the league. And there haven't been crazy numbers in the minor league. So just an interesting thing to look at. Adam Engel, though, like I said, he's been playing great. His numbers hitting have been very nice. Uh, good power numbers as well. He's got a couple homers, a couple doubles. Uh, it's going to be very exciting to see him come up. Because I guess I don't want to start the White Sox segment out with this, but I will. Leary Garcia has been an absolute trash can, so it'll be nice for him to finally get a replacement in the outfield uh, of Adam Angle. I am so I am so sick and tired of seeing the same the same roll over ground ball to second base every single game. I know he sprinkles in a couple games where he goes like three for three with two doubles and like four RBIs. But that's not going to happen all the time. And besides that, I the Leary Garcia has been with this team for quite a long time. I appreciate his service throughout the years. 
but I'm finally ready to lay that to rest. Uh, boys, what do we got so far on the injury updates and Leary Garcia being an absolute trash can? Yeah, so I think you're right. I mean, so you have to look at it this way. Yeah, as much as we miss um, Luis and Eloy, I mean, some of these guys would not be a thing. But this whole kind of comeback of Billy Hamilton wouldn't be a thing. Um, and I think that's just one of the coolest things to watch. Yes, Urinator's um, kind of cooled off recently. Um, but if Eli can come back while well, kind of Urinator's cooling down, that could be really good as well. Um, so looking at the injuries, uh, we don't want to rush anything right now either because I think a lot of people are playing so well. This, this, this team, I think the reason why they're so good is their depth. Um, and it's so important nowadays too. Um, not only because of COVID, because of injuries, as we're seeing. Um, and this, that's why we're so good right now. Um, what, what could have been, I hate to look at it that way, because also is what is happening now. Um, so injury-wise, let's not rush everybody back so fast. We want everybody to be healthy so we can kind of have these players for as long as possible um, in their careers. And then moving on to Mr. Garcia. So I was kind of a Garcia Dan, um, beginning of the year. I was as well. I was as well. I will say that. I know. And and, and as much as at one point we had three damn Garcias on the team, and he's kind of been the one that stuck around and kind of been our Swiss Army knife. Well, unfortunately, he is just, like you said, hot garbage. Uh, He's just, I I don't know what he's going through right now, but unfortunately, um, he's just not, I don't know what's going on. It's bad. It's not good. Um, and it hurts because we, like we said, we kind of were pulling from him being here and kind of boasting that and he was one part of our depth that if someone did get hurt, he can fill in and not even blink an eye. Well, we're blinking out now because he's not playing well at all. So that being said, I think I got it for that. I, I, I would love to see Eli in the lineup as soon as possible, but then again, let's pump the brakes a little bit. Okay. Okay. Um, where do I start here? Let's start with, let's start with the injuries. Uh, it's a good problem to have. I mean, like losing, obviously losing Eloy and and Luis and Angle were like, oh my god, like the world's gonna come to an end. Uh, and you literally couldn't ask anything more from a guy like Andrew Vaughn, Billy Hamilton, Larry Garcia on the defensive side of the ball, Adam Eaton. Do you guys remember when we were freaked out? When we signed him and look at him. This dude's a solid asset offensively and defensively and on the base pass. Like he's literally a great asset for us right now. So it, it's fun to see. You know, dude, why don't we let's just go throw Eloy in a month? Let's throw him down a single A like the Mets threw DeGrom down a single A. Let him just build up his confidence for a little bit. Just fucking mash. That's what I'm saying. Like, I would literally remember going on Twitter and seeing DeGrom down a single A with like eight Ks and like three innings. And I text, I sent it to our group chat. I'm like, what is, am I seeing this right? Like, why is he in single A right now? Um, but yeah, I mean, don't, there's absolutely no need to rush these guys at all. And like, what we, what we got working right now, it's working. We're in first place. We, we've hit a couple rough patches here and there, but we're, we're hanging in there. No need to rush these guys back at all. And, um, I said, you couldn't ask for much more than, um, than what we've gotten out of our uh, our current guys in the outfield right now. So I'm looking at batting averages right now, boys. I, I'm, I'm you know what? I'm going to be the odd man out because I like the odd man out. I don't understand what the slander is on Larry Garcia right now. Nah, dude. It, it's it, Every single time that he comes up in a situation where he needs to do something, 
He yep. roll, rolls over to second base. He, a lot of people, and a lot of people say on Twitter and stuff about how there are some guys that are very good in garbage time, and there are guys that just can't play in the big games and get in and do his thing in the right situations. That that's Leary Garcia. And when it's garbage time, he shows up. Besides that, I just I can't do it. I can't. I can't deal with the rollovers to second base anymore. Well, it's, let's just Ma- go ahead, Peter. Real quick, Mahoney. What, uh, Mahoney? What do you think Garcia's WAR is right now? I I am gonna say that he's probably positive because of his defense, but I'm gonna say he's under one. Correct. He is zero point one. Oh. Compared to compared to Yoan Moncada and Ronald Acuna's two point four, which is an astronomical difference. I, I know war is very confusing to people out there, uh, but it's it's basically so he's uh, he's basically kind of playing up to a replacement player right now. Correct. Yeah. So keep going, uh, Pat. Keep going. Keep going. Larry Larry is batting two thirty four right now. Which he's batting above Yaz. He's batting above Andrew Vaughn. He's batting above Adam Eaton. Um, what is his on base percentage? Is, okay, it's not good. <laughs> um, <laughs> see, see, okay. here, here, here's the thing. And actually, you know what? With Yasmani, that's actually a good point that you bring up. His batting average is so bad right now. But read off his on base percentage, Yasmani Grandal's. Uh, 385. Exactly. All that man does is walk, and I am yeah. I am so here for it. I love, uh, if you go on Twitter during a game and Yasmani walks, the, the money ball clip where uh, Brad Pitt is pointing at uh, Jonah Hill and saying, uh, like, why do we like him? We like him because he gets on base. And I love, love seeing that go through Twitter whenever Yasmani gets a walk because it's true. I know we want him to hit those home runs, and we want him to get on get more hits. But I mean, the man's getting on base at almost a 400 clip. That that's that's unreal. And to be doing it while batting, having such a bad batting average, I think he's. If the season ended today, I think he has the third biggest margin between his batting average and on base percentage in MLB history. And what he's doing right now is absolutely ridiculous. I'll say this. I'll back up Larry right here. Out of our bench players, Larry, Zach, Billy, Danny, and Jake Lamb, uh-huh. he's got the highest batting average. Yeah, that's true. I, I mean, I, this the slander is mostly – and the slander wouldn't be happening if the guys weren't hurt that are hurt right now because Larry wouldn't be playing every day if those guys uh, weren't injured. But I think because that he is playing every day, it's just I, I'm I'm just sick of it. But we we kind of have to at this point. So right. I guess yeah, they, he's you know we don't need him to be a bat. We that, don't. That's true. That's true. I, I just it seems like whenever there's a key situation in a game, here comes fucking <laughs> yeah, Larry he's, Garcia he's up trotting up up to bat and. Uh, I know he, he's decent bunting too, but he's also fucked that up a couple times this year. Yeah. And that just, it just sticks in the back of my head. And I'm just like, this fucking guy again. Here we go again. But you're right though. He, he is a solid asset for this team defensively. And with the guys being hurt, he has to play in 
he's our Swiss Army knife. He plays all the positions. So uh, yeah, I guess I, yeah, it's closing out my my area. Um, I have like two shining stars, and I have one question mark. My two shining stars are Lance Lynn playing phenomenal, big fucking daddy, love him playing playing phenomenal, and Nikki two strikes. The dude's he's 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 vibing right now. It's like he literally tries to get two strikes in the count, and then he's like, "All right, here comes triple." Here All right, double. now I'm gonna try. Now I'm gonna right, try. Exactly. Yeah. Now my question mark. I mean, me and my dad have talked about this. Do you think Yohan Mikado is playing hurt right now? I think that guy's always playing fucking hurt. I think he's built of glass. Doesn't seem hundred percent. I feel like he's just too scared to sit out because we've already lost Luis Niwoy. Yeah. Uh, I. What what do you see from him? Like what when you're what you're saying right now? What are you seeing? Not necessarily defensively, just batting. Like he's hit or miss. And let me look at his stats right now. Um, he you, you I can't agree on that. Uh, but he's, I mean, still he's batting two ninety four. He's got thirty six. Well, he got sixty one strikeouts. So like he has no plate discipline at all. Uh, I well, mean, yeah, that's always been that's always been his issue. Though. Yeah, he, he's been a guy that strikes out. Um, and at one point, I remember uh, early in his White Sox career, he was he was leading the league or up there in strikeouts, which is never what you want to see out of your young star either. Um, but just another quick comment on Yohan. Um, I'm going back to the war because I think it's actually very important because uh, it just shows you how valuable a player is to your team. And he, he's, he has the same war as Ronald Acuna. And Ronald Acuna Jr. is burning the league on fire. I think he's giving – Fernando Tatis a run for his money for being the face of the MLB right now. Agreed, hundred percent. And that's a, that's a, that's another kind of talking point for another day because uh, I don't want to derail our Sox talk. Uh, but it's I think I you know it's tough. It's tough. I think we'll get into this talk too because we, we kind of talked about this before too with Jose Abreu. Um, there's so much talent on this team. Uh, not everyone. I don't know if if he looks like he's hurt or if he's not. I don't know. I don't know what it is, uh, but it, everyone's going to produce at some point, um, and I just don't. Th- I don't. I don't think he's hurt because I think if he's hurt, you'd see on the defensive side, and he's unreal at third. I mean, he's an absolute vacuum, and the plays he makes just blows my mind. Yeah, dude, it's just, it's been an awesome time. Sorry, I just got some breaking news. Well, I'm going to throw it at the end of our baseball segment because this is very interesting, uh, but. Something to talk about here that really isn't talked about a lot is uh, the guys coming from the Dominican Republic and stuff and how they need to have visas to be able to play baseball. And uh, right now the White Sox are seeing that in Cespedes, who is with our Winston, Winston-Salem Dash. but uh, And he's a guy that could be a part of our future in our outfield. Uh, he's unable to play right now because he – he, right now – does not have the correct form of visa that could uh, keep him to stay in the United States long enough for the season. So he hasn't been able to play. He's currently in the works right now to get that switch. But just a little interesting thing to think about there, that this is something that our minor leaguers, our professionals are dealing with every day outside of baseball. And I saw that on Twitter today, and it kind of blew my mind. And I felt like it had to be a talking point for – the podcast tonight, but now moving back to our major league team, uh, the starting rotation has just been absolutely electric. Uh, kind of shocking that 
Lucas Giolito's kind of been like our biggest weak spot so far this season. He's been very solid our le- his last two or three starts. But before that, a lot of people were questioning like, hey, is what we saw these last couple years kind of just a kind of a flash and he's not going stick to stick with it permanently? I think he's back to his way. I think people were just overreacting on Twitter. Uh, and then Dylan Cease today did struggle in his start, but he's also been a very pleasant surprise this year. And we can't talk about the rotation without Carlos Rodon. I mean, just what a resurgence. Uh, I'm hoping, I'm praying that somehow we could find a way to keep him uh, next season because he will be a free agent. But we'll get there at a later date. But he's been absolutely fantastic. Uh, Lance Lynn. I wouldn't be surprised if I see tomorrow, breaking news, Lance Lynn has signed an extension with the Chicago White Sox. I see absolutely 0% chance that we let him walk. This dude just spits out Chicago Southside. He looks like a Chicago White Sox fan. He throws 95-plus. He just throws fuck-you fastballs. I mean, if you look at John Boy's uh, breakdown of Lance Lynn pitching this past week, he's yelling at himself on the mound, uh, calling people slap dicks. He's just absolutely electric, and he's what the White Sox needed. He's just, he, like I said, he just spits out that Southside Chicago image. And uh, I know, Pat, we went to high school on the Southside. He just looks like a Southside dude. He, he's just the man. I absolutely love him. Dylan Cease, rough start tonight. But besides that this season, he, he's shown improvement in a lot of it. Uh, Dallas Keuchel has been that guy that we knew he was going to be. He's going to give up the occasional home run. Because you know what? All he does is pitch the contact. He's going to let our defense work. And so far, just the rotation has been absolutely stellar. Been one of the, if not the best, starting rotation in the MLB. And our bullpen's been a little bit shaky. little bit shaky. But the guy that we needed to come through the most, I know it's been a talking point in our group chat, but I think Liam Hendricks is start finally starting to feel comfortable in Chicago. Uh, really, I, We saw him shut down in the doubleheader a couple days ago. Get two saves, both of them striking out the side. I love his energy. Uh, I love him always screaming at the top of his lungs. If he misses a spot, you always see hear him scream, "Fucking goddamn it!" And it's just, it's just great. It's great, and I love it. I love the energy. I love this team right now. Uh, it's just awesome to Except see. Except Aaron Bummer. Aaron Bummer has been a struggle bus. Uh, I, I am gonna give him a. Itty bitty little bit of leeway, uh, considering that he was hurt uh, last season. Uh, so I'll give him a little bit of leeway, but I, I will say this: I'll give him about another week to figure his shit out, and then might be seeing him get less opportunities. And Jace Fry is back and healthy, playing for our minor leagues teams right now. He might be a guy that get that gets called up to eat those lefty innings instead of Bummer. But I really hope that's not the case. Also, considering we just extended uh, Aaron Bummer for, I want to say we have him for like another four years after this season. So I'm hoping that he can figure it out. I know it's a very team-friendly deal with Aaron Bummer, but still a long-term deal. And last, my last talking point with the White Sox, and then you guys can take over, is Andrew Vaughn. Okay? The bat is there occasionally. 
Uh, we're finally starting to see a lot more consistency with him. Uh, power numbers are gone has have gone up a lot. He hasn't been as timid at the plate. But I will say this: it's not even his bet that's been a positive for me. It's his fielding in left field. If you look at his stats in left field, he's one of the top fielding left fielders right now in the league. It's absolutely fantastic. We saw him today make a diving catch. And this is what makes it so important for our team. Jose Abreu is still that dude. I know people were saying that with age, he's going to grow out of it. And that right now, that's just not the case. He's still the dude. I know. I, we're not even going to talk about it, but I'm going to mention it. The 2-0 swing today was brutal to end the game. That's all I'm going to say. But he's still that dude. Uh, and Andrew Vaughn really can't have a place anywhere on this team because Jose Abreu is a guy that wants to play first base every single day. Now, when Eloy comes back, we can't put him at DH because we have Yerman Mercedes. So we're going to have to have Eloy in left. And Andrew Vaughn has been so good in left field and learned it so quickly. And you could just tell that this guy's an athlete. I feel like the switch to right field is going to be quite easy for him. I feel like right field is a little... PT, you're the outfielder in this group, so you could uh, chime in on this as well. But I feel like right field might be a little bit easier for Vaughn to get adjusted to than left field. But I'm very happy with the way this team is playing. So what what do you boys got on this team so far? Yeah, um, I think that we were kind of questioning how this team was going to react to the injuries that kind of unfolded in front of us. And I think, once again, it's just we've been surprised by multiple people. Uh, people are stepping up, and like I mentioned earlier, our depth has kind of been quite surprising, and I couldn't be more happy about it. Um, our starting rotation is starting to really kind of form into what we really wanted it to be. Um, and when you really look at it, it's really impressive all the way through. Um, if C's can kind of really dial in um, his accuracy and his location, he's damn good. Um, Rodon has been just unreal. I, we already talked about this on our last episode. We are so happy for him. Um, he, he's been through it all, and all Chicago White Sox fans know that. And we couldn't be more proud and happy for him. Like you said, Mahoney, I hope he can. we can find a way to keep him a White Sox uh, for a long time. We'll see what happens after this season, of course. Um, Liam Hendricks, it takes time to adjust to a new team, um, and especially kind of being put in a situation um, a lot now that where he's kind of got to step up and kind of be that guy, um, either one or two other, every other two games. Um, so it's, it's a lot to adjust to. I don't care if we pay him a lot of money. It's a lot. Um, and, yes, I know it's his job, but he, he, he's starting to kind of fall into his role and, and kind of getting that feel and that vibe. Um, so uh, everything's starting to kind of fall into place. Um, and this team's rolling with the punches. Steve Stone said it best today on the broadcast. Well, we learned something about our team today. This team will not give up no matter what. They're now 6-3 and they, they came back and they fought all the way into the end. And that is what a team is going to do to win a World Series. And I couldn't be more happy and proud about that. It, it gives you a good feeling and a sense of um, – safety almost if it, when we kind of come down the road so when we get to uh, maybe the playoffs and we're down at some point and we need to come back at some point so this team doesn't give up um, I couldn't be more happy to be a Sox fan right now they're playing great um, and we're just waiting for our boys to come back that are hurt right now 
who knows what's going to happen after that. So that's all I really got for the Sox. Um, stay strapped in. Keep on being wild in the bleachers, Sox fans. We love it. I think it's as long as it's safe, safe and, uh, and no one's getting harmed, I think it's great attention for the Sox. Um, I'm kind of scared to see what happens when these guys do get healthy. Because there's going to be a lot of like, – Lewis is going to have a lot of tough decisions to make with how the lineup's going to look. But you know what? They're they're good they're tough decisions. Yeah. I agree 100%. When it comes to playoff time – We're going to be we're we, gonna be so ready for playoffs with this roster. Yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah, we have the depth that everybody wants, um, which at the end of the day, whether you like Larry or you don't, or whether you like Billy Hampton or you don't, and I don't understand how you can after this past week. Exactly. Um, or Adam Angle or Adam Eaton. Having those guys that you feel comfortable putting in the game in the end, well, maybe not Larry, but like we have good problems. Like I said, I'm not, I, we're just going to have some tough decisions to make. Um, good tough decisions to make towards when these guys get healthy. My last thing I want to nitpick, and I could just be being too rude because it cost me a cover a couple games ago. Zach Collins. Defensively behind the plates, as well as Yaz, honestly too. Defensively, have not been the best at stopping wild pitches and pass balls. Am I just seeing that, or am I just really butthurt about one spread that I didn't get? What, which player are you talking? If you're talking about Collins, I could understand it, uh, mostly because he's not a very solid defensive catcher. Yaz, on the other hand, though, in my opinion, has been very solid defensively. I mean especially if you look at it more in depth with Yez, he's one of the best pitch framers in the league. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's why he gets paid so much money. He gets on base and he's an unbelievable uh, framer. I, I do see Yez every once in a while getting a little bit lazy. Yes. No, nothing crazy uh, with him. But Zach Collins, I would have to agree if that's who you're really pointing out here. Yeah. Uh, I would, I, I'll, I would agree that Collins is uh, cause when we drafted Collins, a lot of people were saying that he's going to eventually have to move to first base because of how poor his defensive catching statistics were in college. And even in high school, uh, if you look further back into scouting reports, uh, they were saying about how he was going to struggle as a uh, if he ever went up to the major leagues, he would struggle as a catcher. I think that he's been better than what people thought that he would be, but that's still not exactly a solid defensive catcher in the league. I'd say he's definitely a little below average, but he's still young. Uh, I I love his bat. I feel like he's uh, come a long way uh, from his uh, little stint a couple years ago and uh, the even littler – uh, stint he had last year uh, I feel like he's definitely progressing uh, it's going to be it's still tough for him to get at bats because of just how you said our depth is fantastic with this team uh, it's tough for him to get defensive uh, or at bats at the DH position I do like the way that they're working with Collins and Grandal. I know Grandal's definitely our number one but Collins has been solid this year uh, definitely better than I thought that he would be playing but I would agree with the defensive side of things, but I also think you might be a little butthurt uh, from losing the, the cover. But I, I definitely, I definitely <laughs> am. Um, interesting how you say you you like his bat 
um, when he's batting 181. Yeah, you're just shitting on Larry Garcia. Hey, that's that's all I got. Hey, okay, okay. I, well, I, I I think in that kind of context too, and we kind of touched on. I think Zach Collins kind of is more clutch, and it's just kind of circling around. Garcia is absolutely dog shit in clutch situations, and I think Zach Collins. When he needs to get a job done, he gets a job done. Like we that's saw a it big today. Part of baseball too, exactly. And and yeah, he might strike out um, a little bit more. Uh, but if you can't get a run in or move a run over or uh, just kind of work a pitcher, uh, then you it, 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 it's much more distasteful than a guy that just strikes out with no one on uh, and one out or no outs. Uh, it, it's it's a lot more present in my eyes. I'm going to add on to that real quick. The Sox, and I, I think there's a statistic for us too. I heard Steve Stone talk about. They, I mean, uh, the Baltimore series, this game, the Sunday game against Baltimore, I mean, we're, we're murdering pitchers in terms of having seven, eight pitch uh, at bats. I mean, this this Baltimore pitcher had like 60 pitches going into the third inning. Yeah. That, like, that's that, one thing like we're really good at. And Yaz is perfect at it too. I guess this might be the catcher's eye. Mm-hmm. But I mean, he'll sit up there all day and battle and have no issues at all. Well, yeah, and here's another thing here with Yasmani. Uh you're really you're really getting to see uh the baseball lovers come out when they're talking about how much they enjoy watching Yaz. Cause I any Joe Schmo could look at Yaz and be like, he's batting under two hundred, he he sucks, right? But Having him in that two-hole where he's been, he gets on base, and that gives a guy like Jose Abreu, who leads the league in RBIs right now, a chance to drive him in. And that's so important for our lineup to have a guy like Yaz at the top of it, battling, prolonging at-bats, getting on base, and then getting driven in. It's very important uh, for a team uh, like this who have so many guys that can drive in runs. It's a it's a very big key aspect that could be unnoticed if people don't really dive deep into it. But when you do uh, deep dive into it, uh, it just ends up showing how many positives there are on this okay. team. All right, so we're going to be moving on to the Cubbies now. Uh, and you know what? They, they just won a fantastic game against the San Diego Padres. And for me, we're going to start off right away with how good this bullpen has been. And the guy that has been shining at the top of this bullpen, Craig Kimbrell, really, last season and when they acquired him the season before, I don't know. Uh, he, He was definitely a little shaky. But this year, he's been just absolutely electric. And he's getting shit done. And people are talking, because he was on pace before the Cubs signed him. He was on pace to break that all-time saves record. And people don't know if he can do it. If he keeps doing what he's doing here, anything's a possibility uh, with how good Craig Kimbrell has been pitching. Uh, But here I want to talk about the stats are a little bit older. They're like three or four days old. So the numbers might be a little different. But the bullpen has a collective... 3.02 3.02 earned run average, which is the fourth best in the major leagues. They rank second in total strikeouts with 228 and hold the league's highest strikeout rate as a bullpen. So the bullpen has just been absolutely uh, fantastic. 
There's a guy, I don't know if you heard of him, Andrew Chaffin, who is just this lovable guy with the long hair, has got the stash, uh, and he's just been electric for this Cubs team. Uh, another bright spot for the Cubs has been Chris Bryant uh, batting 340. We talked about it before the podcast. Uh, we were talking about how this team could honestly, even though they're in still, still in first place, we could still see some of these guys get moved. As a fan of the Cubs, I don't think that that should happen. Uh, it would be – I mean, if they traded Chris Bryant right now, the whole the whole fan base would burn down Wrigley. I, I don't think that would be a good thing for them to do unless if they start falling out of it by the trade deadline, which is still a little bit of ways away. If they start falling out of it, then maybe then. But if we're, where we're at right now – there's no way that they should be trading Chris Bryant. And then my guy, my dude, Nico Horner, has been absolutely electric for the Cubs this season, batting 338 after having him sent down to AAA to start the season. What what are we doing? That is just – if you want to show how teams are manipulating uh, these players' contracts and not having them at places where they need to be, Nico Horner is the prime example of that. Could you imagine how much better the Cubs could have done when they had such a bad April where they went like five games under 500 if they had a guy like Nico Horner playing instead of whoever was at second base? I mean, just he, he's electric. Solid glove, awesome bat, and an awesome guy to have in the clubhouse. He's just, he's just done it all for this Cubs team. Uh, and, and if you want to talk about another reason why this team – has uh, had such a good May. Last time we podcasted, the Cubs were last in basically every single offensive category. Going into the game tonight, they were 11th in runs, 12th in hits, and 9th in batting average. So they're starting to sneak their way into the top 10 in all these offensive categories. Where we, It, it, it looked like there was no hope for this team uh, the last time we podcasted. And they're starting to really turn it around. Javi Baez is starting to become that dude again. He's starting to swing the bat very well. Uh, the team is just, the team's coming together. And uh, if I was a Cubs fan, I'd be very exciting. Uh, the only nitpick that I really have with this team, sure, there are still some guys struggling with the bat, but the starting rotation, the starting rotation has been absolutely terrible for the Chicago Cubs team. Uh, they don't have one guy that has an under 4.5 earned run average in their starting rotation. We have got Kyle Hendricks sitting at a 4.6, uh, Jake Arrieta sitting at a 4.41, Zach Davies at a 4.65, Alberto Alzole, uh, I'm going to pat myself on the bat for pronouncing that correctly, uh, but... He he's he has the lowest right now. I take that back. There is somebody with a below four point five. He has a three point nine. Uh, Trevor Williams has a five point four earned run average. And then you get into this bullpen. Craig Kimbrell right now has a zero point eight two earned run average. He is just absolutely destroying whoever he's playing. And if we look at the saves, he's already got twelve saves this year. He's doing his thing, and he's doing his thing very well. Uh, but if the Cubs 
really want to because right now this team, if you combine the offense and the bullpen, this is a very good team. Uh, he- if we were heading into the playoffs, the starting rotation, however, that's the biggest worry, uh, and it's kind of worrisome for the Cubs because one, they don't have guys in the minor leagues waiting to come up that can take one of these guys' roles. And I, I don't think there's not going to be anybody that's going to be cut anytime soon that maybe they'll take a flyer on and it'll be like, hey, this guy's going to be the fucking shit and we're going to be good again. Maybe they could go get Despagne from uh, the Mexican league he's in. I, I don't know if you guys remember Despagne from the Chicago White Sox. Pat, I'm glad you are shaking your head because that was a very uh, bad time for this White Sox team. But uh, and, and I don't think they're going to be buyers for trading. Uh, unless if they did like a major swap with like a Chris Bryant and they're like, Hey, we'll give you Chris Bryant, but we're going to need two solid, uh, starting rotation guys to help us go into the playoffs. I could see that possibly happening, but if this team were to improve this rotation in even just the slightest of ways, get these guys that have the 4.5 earned run averages, get them down to four. Get Trevor Williams with his 5.5 earned run average. Get it down to five. And, and this team's going to be a lot better. It, it's just there, There's moves that need to be made with this rotation that I just don't think are a possibility for this Cubs team. But I, I hope it, they do find a way to uh, get these moves going for this rotation. Because if this rotation, like I've been saying, if it's any better, this team is way further ahead in first place than they are right now if they had a solid rotation. What do you boys got so far on the Cubbies? Well, you know, I think it's a it's, it's pretty interesting to see where, how far they've come so far. Um, there were a lot of concerns, definitely, uh, at the last time that we podcasted and completely turned it around. Uh, and I can kind of see the excitement building up like. Cubs fans, friends, um, and they're excited. Uh, two things that I kind of am really seeing from this team that I kind of touched on in the offseason is, one, they had to improve their bullpen. Well, not only did they improve their bullpen, but their bullpen, they're barely paying their bullpen, I guess, which is insane to think of how well their bullpen is performing for how little they're getting paid. So not only does that help them in so many different ways, um, it, it, it's, it's fantastic for them as well. And then, Chris Bryant, well, this man had to fucking make his money. He needed to, need to figure out a way to play better because he's playing for his money now. On And now that he is definitely going to be able to get um, not only himself uh, a legitimate uh, money down the road because of, okay, he's, he's back, he's not he's not done for. Um, he's also going to be able to get the Cubs a huge hole if they ever decide to trade him, which they may or may not. Uh, it'll be interesting to kind of keep an eye on that. Um, and I think they're, they're going to be a dangerous team. And all I keep on hearing is just how, uh, how how this is kind of the start for the Cubs. And it's going to be interesting to follow them kind of down the road because I think that they can compete in this division. Um, it's it kind of it's crazy because we thought this division was, was kind of going to be terrible this year. And uh, all the teams have kind of flipped it around. So good for them. Um, and I'm happy to see the Cubs fans kind of enjoying the season. Yeah, so that – Pat, you got more? Yeah, I got a little bit. Go ahead, um, Pat. 
I said the Cards really haven't amounted to who they were projected to be going into the season. And now that they're losing Jack Flaherty for what seems like it's going to be a pretty big timetable, uh, side note, Universal DH needs to happen because that's how he got hurt today. Uh, he's going to be out for an extended period of time for the Cardinals. And losing him, it, it's not looking good for this Cardinals team. I, even though their offense is so good, the pitching in the bullpen has been what's made this team struggle so much. So uh, it, the, it's not looking good for the Cardinals. Right. And, I mean, I can't speak too much on the Cubs. I've just been too lazy to actually, like, get my marquee log in and watch the games. Um, I'll, I'll close it on two quick points. Uh, the Phoenix Suns are up 30 on the Lakers going into halftime. Holy shit. Um, uh, I will say this: the trade deadline is gonna be a lot of fun to watch with this team. Like I said, we're still what we're like fifty games in the season right now, probably fifty-five. Uh, yeah, I think we're at fifty-five. So we're, we're oh, quick math, like 25, 30 more games probably towards so, the trade deadline. Yeah. So you know, if the Cubs keep it up, you know, what are they gonna do? Um, it's gonna be a lot of it's gonna be interesting to watch and see. It's interesting to see what happens. It's either gonna be really fun or really bad. Really bad. Really yeah. bad. Um, but I'm gonna say this. Again, we've said this before, and all three of us will say it again. It's not that the only time we hate the Cubs is when we're playing them. Seeing the city be so like baseball crazy, baseball crazy, yeah, Yeah. dude. I mean, the fact that like I can go on Twitter and see good stuff about the the Cubs, be see good stuff about the Sox. Chicago's just happy to be where like we're basically the major hub of like baseball right now. We have the two number one teams in the AL and the NL. It's it's you can't ask for much more. I'm excited to to keep re- keeping up with them. If I can watch the game, I'll give it a shot. Um, but you can't ask for mo- much more. You have the two best teams in baseball in your one city. You have a team like the Cubs beating the Padres tonight. And I was briefly looking through Twitter after you said the game went final. It's 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 all positive vibes. Yeah, the Sox lost, but guess what? I mean, am I bummed out? Sure, it was against Cleveland, but I can see all the good stuff about the Cubs on Twitter right now, and it still puts a smile on my face. So at the end of the day, we're in a good spot for baseball in City of Chicago, and it's a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, dude, it's absolutely fantastic. And there's now we're gonna be moving on to a newer segment. We've had college basketball. Actually, time out. I forgot I got some breaking news uh, during the. Uh, Chicago White Sox segment that I wanted to lead towards the end. Uh, I don't know if you boys saw this. Uh, It's breaking news for me. It came out a couple hours ago. But the city of Atlanta is suing the MLB for $100 million because they moved the All-Star game from the city. They are suing them. This is their reasoning for suing. Uh, They're suing because of all the smaller businesses that are now that have been struggling because of COVID. Now they're going to be struggling because they're not going to get that uh, the money or the revenue that they thought they were going to get from the all the people coming through Atlanta for the uh, All Star Game. I, I do not believe that the city of Atlanta is going to win this case uh, because of the way that they're going about it, uh, mainly because. I don't think they really have a good argument to get that much money. Sure, they might get a little bit of money from the MLB because of it, but it's going to be a tough legal battle, especially against a powerhouse that they probably have at the MLB for lawyers. But it it's just an interesting thing to see because I, I, 
I know in our lifetime, at least, we've never heard of a city really suing uh, one of these big uh, leagues like this. Have you guys heard anything about this? And if not, what are your first thoughts on it? Yeah, so 100%. Um, I, I heard about this when it first broke, and I kind of looked into it a little bit. Um, I actually think that Atlanta, well, the first thing I heard is that the MLB is, now that they've been sued, that they almost have to move back to Atlanta. Um, for the main reason, so let's look into this now, okay? Uh, I think actually Atlanta has a huge advantage over the MLB uh, for many reasons. The MLB can't afford to lose that much money. They've already lost way too much money during COVID. Um, and also, uh, when it comes to COVID as well, uh, people are going to be feeling more for small businesses and all this money that they're going to be losing uh, for regular day people. They don't care about the how big the MLB is. Um, so I think that actually Atlanta has a huge advantage over the MLB right now. And it sounds like almost now that this has been actually official, uh, that the that the All Star Game will probably most likely be moved back to Atlanta. I didn't hear anything about this, uh, so this is definitely news to me. Um, don't really know. It's obviously, I remember when it got uh, when they moved it to Colorado. Um, not too knowledgeable on the topic, and I know when it comes to legal stuff like this, you really can't assume what's going to happen because you got to see whatever plays out in court. Yeah. Interesting to see if it does end up going back to Atlanta. Um, you know, then can Colorado sue? I don't know. Um, so I, I, yeah, I, I'm more of just being a jackass. I really don't know too much about the topic. So it was going to have to see it play out and see what happens. And see if it actually happens quick enough to where they can actually have it in in Atlanta. Cause, you know, of course, something like that doesn't, especially during COVID, that stuff's probably going to take a long time. Yeah. So who knows? We'll have to see. Dude, if, they, if that ends up happening and they do switch it back to Atlanta, Colorado is going to be like, what the fuck? <laughs> but we'll, we'll see. Yeah, the MLB's, MLB's fucked right now. I'm just going to tell you that. The MLB is in a bad, bad situation right now. Yeah, the, this is not a good situation for them. But we're going to be moving on to a place that's in a great spot right now, and that's college baseball. We've brought you college basketball, college football segments, and now we will be bringing you a college baseball segment and it, it, this is such an exciting time for college baseball. Right now we're in the regionals. I myself uh, only live about 15, 20 minutes away from uh, South Bend where Notre Dame plays. And I was trying to get tickets to the regional championship uh, that will be there this Sunday. Uh, but uh, prices on tickets are a little high. So that will not be happening. I know I was looking to buy two tickets, and it was going to come out to roughly about five fifty. So I uh, I said never mind. Uh, I'm not going to be doing that. But uh, nonetheless, it is a very exciting time for college baseball. So PT, if you want to go ahead and take over, this is all you. Yeah. So I I think we like to kind of stay focused on Chicago sports, but we also like to diversify ourselves too. Um, and we also have in interested outside of um, Chicago sports as well. College baseball um, is absolutely an electric factory. Uh, these kids are completely built different, and, and it's definitely a completely different vibe um, compared to MLB games. Um, and I, honestly, when, when we talk about the MLB trying to make baseball fun again, it starts with college baseball. College baseball is electric. The fans are 
just absolutely crazy and out of uh, out of their minds. Um, they're they're yelling. They got these chants. It's crazy. Um, and these kids just hit the ball out of the out of the stadium like it's nothing else. Um, and it's so fun to watch. Um, so yesterday, the 64 bracket was released, um, and I, I've got a couple um, kind of sleepers, locks, and kind of first round exits that I think that I've got. I can run through real quick um, and just kind of touch on it. Um, and then if you guys want to kind of add your stuff too, we can do that as well. But I think kind of right now, if you're looking at it, and kind of been the number one all year has been Arkansas. Arkansas has kind of been dominant all across the board. Um, they've beat really good teams. I think the SEC is the best baseball conference um, in the nation. They do a really good job of just having kids that just dominate across the board, and it's so fun to watch. Um, Arkansas is just solid. They always find ways to come back and beat good teams all the time, and I think that's what kind of adds them to the lock list. Uh, and then you continue to go down, and you look at you've got Tennessee. It could be a lock. Mississippi State could be a lock. They've got pretty easy regions. Um, and then you kind of move on to look at the kind of tougher regions. Uh, it's tough, man. You've got Louisiana Tech. They've got Alabama in the region. They've kind of been people that came out of nowhere. Um, Oregon's got LSU. That's always good. Um, East Carolina's. They've kind of they could be a sleeper if you think about it. They're very, very, very good baseball team. Very good. Exactly. And then, Brand, you've got your Notre Dame, man. I think they have a really good chance to play well at all. Yes. Now, when I kind of want to talk about this, um, and I really want to get in just to one team and one team specifically, um, and I, I might have some haters out there because of it, uh, but it's the Vandy boys. And I'm going to add them to my overrated category. I, I don't think they've been very consistent throughout the year. They've lost games that they shouldn't have lost, um, but they've also – play unreal baseball at times uh but when it comes to this any team can be any team um and i think that's why if i would have been on a team to kind of be one of the first surprising teams i would be them uh they, they kind of have an easy dc regional georgia tech they could give them some issues um but really i mean it's gonna get down and interesting when they start to get out of the regional um and start to play in omaha which is always a great time i was there once and it was one of the coolest experiences of my entire life um but, I mean, anything can happen nowadays, and that's why it's so cool to watch college baseball because these teams are uh, – you never know. Uh, runs could be scored in the bottom of the ninth, and teams could win um, well, coming back. It's, it's insane. Um, if you guys don't watch college baseball, I strongly recommend uh, keep an eye on ESPN and all these other, other flagship channels that will be carrying these games because they're absolutely electric, and they're at the times where you're not really doing anything. So – Keep an eye out for college baseball. It's absolutely electric, boys. Give your intakes about college baseball. Yeah, dude. So if there's one team that I love my Notre Dame boys, I love the fight in Irish and every single sport, and they're my number one team and everything. But if I had one other team that I've been rooting on this whole season, it's Ole Miss. I absolutely love that team. Uh, watching their videos on YouTube, if you guys haven't done that, Definitely tune into those. Uh, I want to shine some light on one player especially, and that's Tim Elko. If you guys haven't heard his story, uh, PT and Pat, do you guys know who Tim Elko is? Yes, it's it's, it's what he's done, and you'll touch on here in a second, is is mind-blowing. Yeah, so Tim Elko, uh, I believe it it was towards the middle of April, he was leading the 
SEC and RBIs average. He's just, he's a dog. And this is his last year at Ole Miss. He will be going into the MLB draft. Uh, So to begin the year, he was probably sitting in the first or second round. And then he tore his ACL. And it seemed like that was all over. It seemed like his time at Ole Miss was done. He was getting ready to go to the MLB. He was due to have surgery. He had surgery scheduled. He said, nah, fuck that. I'm going to go back and play. Tim Elko came back three weeks later and has played this basically the whole season with a torn ACL and has just been, he's been one of the best hitters in the country with a torn ACL. Had two home runs a couple nights ago in uh, the SEC tournament. Uh, He's just, a great guy and if you want to look at his twitter he's always thanking everybody like he's just a good dude and works so hard and he has put a spotlight on himself especially as being the captain of that Ole Miss team to tear your ACL what that's at least a year out to be back in three weeks and playing at the level that he is not carrying this Ole Miss team, but definitely being a huge part of it. I mean, it, it, this it's the biggest story in college baseball right now. And I, I'm really hoping that Ole Miss can make it to Omaha just so everybody in this country can see what Tim Elko is doing. Uh, PT, do you want to chime in on Tim Elko? Yeah, no, I, I'm one of those followers, too, of the season, if you guys don't you guys are kind of looking for something to watch, go to YouTube and watch the season. It's a really good documentary put on by Old Miss. Um, it kind of gives you kind of the background and back view of college baseball. Um, and it's super cool to watch. All those kids are really cool. I think Old Miss has a chance too. Uh, like I said, it kind of shows you how even across the board everyone is. But these college kids, are, they're so motivated and they're so uh, driven to kind of put on for their school, and there's so much pride building this as well. It just shows you some kids just come back off this. He, he, he's playing on a torn ACL, and he's burning, he's burning down the uh, entire college baseball. So good for him, uh, and I hope to see him kind of succeed during these uh, the regionals and continue to go on to the World Series because he definitely deserves it. Yeah, and regionals start on Friday, so be ready to be tuning in to all the games. This weekend, th- this weekend coming up is the biggest. I know Omaha is its own thing, but if you like watching college baseball, this weekend's the weekend. Tune in. All the regionals will be going on. You're not going to see bad baseball anywhere. The, all these teams are fantastic. Like PT said, everybody's level. You're going to see teams come out of nowhere. And a team that has come out of nowhere that I want to shine some light on is Jacksonville uh, University coming into the tournament with a 16-32 and 32 record. 16 wins, 32 losses. And this is just the definition of getting hot at the right time. They went into their tournament, won their tournament, and now look at this. They're in the regional. If you would have said that a team with a lose that bad – of a losing record could make it into the regionals. There's no way, but with college baseball and with baseball in general, anything can happen. 
Dallas. Ah, oh, shit. Dallas Baptist University. That's my team. Yep. Uh, the Missouri Valley team. I, I'll be honest with you. I know nothing about college baseball, but you guys are gassing up a lot. I you do you know what? Do... They just they just got a new head coach today. Did you see who that is? No. Lance Berkman. Really? Yes. What could, just like he got a lot of money, or does he have ties to that university or something? Uh, I'm almost, I'm pretty positive that that's where he graduated from. Okay. Valid. Valid. Um, yeah, oh. there's some Missouri. I'm going to have to cut that out. That is a incorrect <laughs> statement. He is the new head coach of Houston Baptist, not ah, Dallas Baptist. I'd say that'd be weird they got a new head coach before. <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right, so go yeah, ahead, Pat. Yeah, I mean, I know nothing about college baseball. You guys are gassing it up a lot. I might have to uh, check it out. That story about that kid who tears ACL, that's the most college sport, best college athlete thing I've ever heard. It's sick. I'm, I'm all about it. Um, mm-hmm. Hopefully he doesn't like do permanent damage where he can screw himself over long term. Um, but I respect the tenacity. I respect the grind. Um, he said, what day is it start? He said, Friday. Friday, June 4th. I'm like, all right, all right. So you're, you're all right here. Good question for you guys. Good question for other guys, our listeners who don't listen to college baseball. You are talking to a kid like myself who watches, know nothing about college baseball. You're, you have one game for me to watch this weekend. Oh, is Pat, you just opened up so much right here. You, um, if we're looking at regionals here, you got to look at some of these. I mean, you look at, I think this, this Oxford, Mississippi one is probably going to be uh, the Old Miss, Southern Mississippi. You got a rivalry going on right there. Uh, Florida State, they've snuck it in. You got another, and then you got Southern Miss, Missouri State. That's always a good one to look into. Um, so the, that's just like a bunch of South teams just going at it. They'll be crazy. Um, but when you get down here, I mean, gosh, you're so good. There's so many good ones. You can't go wrong, really. <laughs> Um, Ooh, I've got, I've got two really good ones right here for you, Pat. All right. So if we're going to look at, uh, let's see, where's it at? Okay. So I am going to shed some light on the South Bend regional. Uh, we've got Notre Dame coming in at 30 and 11. I'm pretty sure they finished the year eighth in the country. They will be playing central Michigan where uh, brother Rice alum Ryan Palmblad is a pitcher. Uh, they have been very good this year. And then we got UConn and Michigan. The South Bend Regional is stacked. This UConn. Is... I don't like UConn because UConn beat Xavier in Game 7 of the Big East, and I wanted Xavier to go. And there was a shit ton of like shit talk in that series too. I was really bummed out. That, that's another game. thing about college baseball. Shit talking is at an all-time high. If you want to come – Pat, I think you experienced it a little bit when we played Illinois Wesleyan this year. Yeah. Shit-talking in college baseball is just electric. It, it's so much fun. And then if I want to give you one more, uh, let's see, where is it at? I just saw it. I'll give you mine. Mine's going to be the Texas Tech Regional. Uh, you've got four solid programs that are pretty renowned by everyone. Um, if you're looking for someone that's going to have competing games, the whole whole uh, whole regional, you got Texas Tech as your one seed, UCLA as your two, three North Carolina and four Army. All four programs have been solid. It's been in the mix for the past at least five years. So there's going to be good games all weekend there. It's going to be tough and competitive, and there'll definitely be a lot of shit talking if that's what you guys like. I like oh, yeah. that jersey matchup between UCLA and North Carolina. I like that jersey matchup a lot. Yep, and then I, I do want to point out one game. 
that I think is probably going to be uh, the best uh, game to open up the regional uh, is South Carolina, number two, South Carolina versus number three, Virginia uh, in the Columbia regional. I feel like that's going to be a very good team. Uh, South Carolina is a very solid all-around baseball team. Virginia's got that rotation, though. They have a very solid uh, rotation this year. They, they, they sense to always have a very solid rotation at Virginia. Uh, but South Carolina, Virginia, that, that's going to be a very good game to watch on uh, day one of these regionals. Solid information. I know I'm not the only one out there that needs needed that information, so I will excited. I'm very excited to watch on Friday. Yeah, and uh, if you guys are curious on where you can watch these games, ESPN uh, one and two will probably have these games on uh, during the weekend, barring playoff schedules. I know uh, the NBA will pro- might get a. Are have they been showing the NBA playoffs on ESPN? Correct. Yes. Uh, ABC and. I think ESPN owns ABC, so like ESPN three, they've had a couple on, but mainly TNT. Okay, but these college baseball games, they'll be shown on ESPN, and then another way you can watch it, which is an awesome thing about college baseball, is going through the school's websites. If you go through a school's website, they usually have some sort of broadcast. That's how I was able to watch some of these, uh, like SEC tournament games and things like that. So. Some schools might have these games available on their websites. So if you can't find a game somewhere and you want to watch it, just slide over to their website and they might have a way to watch it there. I think we're good over here. All right. So that does it for this episode. A great episode to come back. Uh, Like I said earlier, every Wednesday at 8 a.m. we will have an episode coming out. Maybe every once in a while sprinkle another uh, episode during the week. If some breaking news comes out, uh, college baseball is getting hot though. So next time you hear us talk, we're going to be talking about the super regionals and then it's going to start getting into who's going to Omaha and it's going to be fun to talk about that. Uh, so thank you guys for listening. Make sure to check us out on all social medias on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter and TikTok, of course. And then make sure to listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasting needs. We thank you guys so much for listening, uh, especially after this long break. We appreciate all the people that are sticking with us. So be ready for some weekly content. Make sure to follow our Twitter because that's definitely the best place to find us at. And uh, so thank you guys for listening. We'll catch you in next week's episode. Peace. Peace. Peace out. Austin Jackson back, looks up, you can put it on the board, yeah! Tame center for Kane, he scores! Oh, Patrick Kane set up by Jonathan Tame! The dynamic duo comes through in overtime! Hawk wins! Looking, finds Rose. Rose trying to get open, fires away! Fifteen to the twenty, breaks free to the twenty-five to the thirty to the outside forty. Mix-